You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to episode two of Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Steven Pianovich. It's Monday, August 27th, 2018, which means it is once again game week for Penn State and for college football. I know that is a time to rejoice for a lot of people, a time to get all your tailgate stuff ready, and a time to dream about another Big Ten title and maybe a trip to the college football playoff. Those things are certainly in Penn State's sights. Uh, It kicks off this week, the 2018 season that is, against Appalachian State at Beaver Stadium. I'm sure many of you will be there. Uh, And it's game week, and it's also the first full week of Locked On Nittany Lions. Again, we are a new daily Penn State podcast. We dropped our first episode last week, uh, and so far we've, we've received a great response. So thank you to everyone who listened, downloaded, commented, uh, and uh, told someone else about it, some other Penn State fan in your life about it. That is greatly appreciated. For first-time listeners, Locked on Nittany Lions is going to be fresh each weekday. It's going to be about 25 minutes long, and it should give you the perfect chance to get your Penn State fix on a daily basis. We're going to have some weekly staples that I'm going to begin to introduce this week, and we're also going to have interviews with people in and around the program who know Penn State well. I had a great conversation with Audrey Snyder, who covers Penn State for The Athletic, last week in episode one. Uh, If you want to go back and check that out, if you haven't heard it yet, Audrey had some great insight uh, about what to expect in the 2018 season. Uh, And we're going to have more, we're going to have more great interviews this week and uh, in in all the weeks to come uh, for Locked On Nittany Lions. So a little more quick housekeeping here, and then we're going to dive into things. Uh, Locked On Nittany Lions is on Twitter at at Locked On Nittany. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. We'll post all of our episodes on social media and we'll also have links. We'll have polls, discussions, other pertinent Penn State information there. Uh, if you'd like to email the show, you can reach Locked On Nittany Lions at LockedOnNittany at gmail.com. Uh, and finally, you can review, rate, download, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, we've gotten terrific response so far, and uh, we appreciate every every bit of feedback we've gotten, whether that's just a listen or a download or a rate or you know following our Twitter page. Every little bit is really helpful as we try to build this show up, and uh, we want to make I want to make this platform a place where Penn State fans can be informed and entertained about their favorite team on a daily basis. So if you have an idea to help me do that, please don't be shy. So on today's show, we're going to get into three things I think Penn State fans should keep an eye on as the Nittany Lions head into their season opener against Appalachian State. They'll be both uh, a little bit big picture, a little bit small picture. Uh, And we're also going to dive into the scandals at both Ohio State and Maryland uh, to give fans out here a recap of of both of the situations at those schools and how they've unfolded in recent weeks. 
I know maybe for some Penn State fans, uh, sometimes the news in August can slip through the cracks if you're not paying close attention or you're on vacation, whatever. So we're going to recap with where things stand in both of those schools and programs uh, and with Urban Meyer and DJ Durkin. I'll also be joined later by Ryan Connors, who works at Testudo Times, it's SB Nation's Maryland site, and he's going to give a, a good, insightful update on what's happening in College Park. Uh, but we're going to start in the State College uh, with the three things Penn State fans need to know heading into the season opener. So here are the three things I think Penn State fans need to watch this week. Uh, This is going to be a weekly segment we do here on Locked On Nittany Lines. It will usually be later in the week uh, with Mondays used to recap the previous game, but since Penn State hasn't played yet in 2018, we will give you three things to look for on this here Monday. Okay, so number one thing to look for on Saturday is position battles. It's a very common thing to do in the season opener. It is still at this point, I'm recording this on Sunday, Penn State has not released a depth chart yet, uh, but they probably will do that either Monday night or Tuesday heading into this Appalachian State game. Uh, So it's exactly unclear how Penn State's going to line up and what the two deeps will look like at a few different positions. I think most notably is the position that Penn State is most famous for is linebacker. Um, Penn State needs to replace Jason Kaminda at middle linebacker, and there's a couple candidates to do that. Uh, It seems like Jan Johnson, a walk-on, and Ellis Brooks, who is a redshirt freshman, have been getting a lot of of play at the first-team middle linebacker spot uh, during training camp so far. Uh, You also have Manny Bowen, who was dismissed from the team due to some disciplinary reasons, but has since been reinstated on the team. Uh, and he, he was in that Penn State linebacker rotation uh, before uh, he ran into some trouble there. So he's another option there. And then, of course, there's Micah Parsons, the one of the top recruits in the 2018 recruiting class, a true freshman, a kid who was playing high school football less than a year ago. Um, and he, you know, he was listed as a DN for most of his recruitment. But when he got to Penn State, they put him at linebacker, and he's a guy who uh, Penn State fans can ex- probably expect to see in some capacity, especially in a game like Appalachian State. I think they're going to want to get some feet wet for some freshmen and for some guys uh, who don't have a ton of experience and try to figure out exactly how they're going to line up going forward. Another position that might have some shakeup and might is a little unclear, at least at this point, is on the defensive line. Uh, it seems like Yator Grossmatos and Sharif Miller will be Penn State starters at defensive end. Uh, however, there's not much clarity about exactly what combinations and what you know what packages they want to use um, for for their for their four up front. And I think it's going to be a big part of this defense. Hopefully, they can generate a, a pass rush to make this defense a, a little more stable. They're going to have uh, some replacements at safety as well. On the other side of the ball, I think the biggest question mark is at tight end. Uh, you lose Mike Gusecki, who was just a prolific producer for, as at tight end and a guy who was one of the best pass catching tight ends in the nation. 
So Penn State now has Jonathan Holland. He's a junior. And uh, they also have Nick Bowers and Danny Dalton, who could say, see some play at tight end and who, who could be guys who could get the ball from Trace McSorley. You also have freshman Pat Fryermuth, who uh, has made some waves during training camp and could be an option as well at tight end. So also this season, I should note that the NCAA has made a rule change where freshman players can play or any player can play in up to four games and still retain the red shirt. So don't be surprised to see Penn State use a couple true freshmen uh, that maybe they wouldn't have in years past, and they can use them, especially in games like Appalachian State or in Kent State, where uh, they can get they can get them some burn at this level and still not have to use that red shirt. Okay, second biggest thing to watch this week: Trace McSorley's stats. Yes, his Heisman campaign has to kick off in Week One. Here it is. Uh, he can pad those stats this week. I expect him to have a pretty big game. Uh, but he's a guy who is going to be in that Heisman conversation, uh, especially if he can put up big numbers early. He already is in that Heisman conversation because guys like Kirk Herbstreit and Lee Corso both picked him as the Heisman favorite going in. Uh, he could be kind of, I think Kirk Herbstreit referred to him as the Baker Mayfield of 2018. So I think his numbers are going to be compared a lot to what Baker Mayfield's were last year, and they were prolific. So he's going to, you know, if he can have a big game against Appalachian State where he throws for, you know, 280 yards or 300 yards, throws for three touchdowns and runs for one more and runs for 75 yards or some combination of that, that would be huge because he's going to have games in that tough Big Ten slog where he's only throwing for 150 yards or only throwing for 200 yards and and not running as much and not scoring as many touchdowns. So if he can pad those stats a little bit here, that's a big deal. And Trace McSorley won't say it's a big deal. James Franklin will say he doesn't care about it if if he's asked about it. So, but it's something that his Eisman campaign starts right now, and it's it could make it could make a difference in December what he does against Appalachian State in September. Okay, and the third and final thing I think Penn State fans should keep an eye on this week is the weather. Yes, Penn State has to get off on the right foot inside of Beaver Stadium, but Penn State fans need to get their tailgating season off to the right foot outside of Beaver Stadium. Uh, I'm recording this on Sunday, so it's six days out, and this forecast is subject to change. But as of now, the AccuWeather forecast, the state college-based AccuWeather forecast, is calling for 76 and uh, a little cloudy and a little humid with the chance of a morning shower on Saturday. So not the perfect day for tailgating maybe, but certainly could be worse. Uh, and it seemed, I'm sure Penn State fans will ha- be happy to be out there regardless, as long as it's not pouring rain or you know in the middle of a thunderstorm. So those are the things I think Penn State fans should keep an eye on this week. Please let me know if I missed anything important. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on Locked On Nittany Lions, uh, but right after that, we're going to be back with some talk about the scandals at Ohio State and Maryland. Stay with us. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually, it's about what team to bet on this week. And the truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, Who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with MyBookie. Trust me guys, they are your best bet this season. MyBookie has been in business for years, has great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. 
lay down some cash and win big today with my bookie. And here's a special offer for Locked On Nittany Lions listeners. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar on deposits up to $1,000 when you use the promo code ONCOLLEGE. Visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo code ONCOLLEGE. That's O N C O L L E G E when creating your account to claim the bonus. My bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. So one thing I did want to get into a little bit here on today's episode of Locked on Nittany Lions are scandals at two programs, two football programs in Penn State's division. That's at Ohio State and Maryland. Uh, Both things have played out more so over the last month uh, than really anything else. And I just kind of wanted to give Penn State fans an update about where things stand at those schools and uh, you know what what what's going on with the coaches at those institutions I'm going to have Ryan Connors from Testudo Times join me uh, later in the show to talk about Maryland so I'm briefly going to talk about Ohio State here uh, Urban Meyer's fate was finalized last week uh, I'm assuming most fans have seen this by now but Urban Meyer was given a three-game suspension by Ohio State last Wednesday. Uh, he's already been on. Uh, he's been suspended for about the last since since the beginning of August, more or less. Uh, after Ohio State announced it was investigating his handling of domestic abuse allegations against Zach Smith, who was a former Ohio State assistant. Zach Smith was fired by Ohio State. In July, uh, Urban Meyer answered some questions about it at Big Ten Media Day, didn't answer them fully truthfully. It eventually led to, there were a couple stories by college football writer Brett McMurphy with Zach Smith's ex-wife, Courtney Smith, who kind of detailed the allegations and made it clear that at least Urban Meyer's wife, Shelly Meyer, knew fully about, about the allegations. And there was an investigation by Ohio State that took about three weeks and it wrapped up it wrapped up last Wednesday in a it was kind of a strange day at Ohio State if you were following it it took it seemed like they might have an announcement anytime in the morning and they had this board of trustees meeting that lasted pretty much all day and finally around 9 p.m. they had a press conference and announced that Urban Meyer would be suspended for three games he I don't think it's going to affect Ohio State on the field that much. I just want to get that out of the way real quick. I, I don't think this will have a super big impact. Ohio State is an incredibly talented team. Uh, Urban Meyer will not be coaching games against Oregon State and Rutgers. Both games Ohio State is almost certainly going to win. He also missed the week three matchup against TCU. It'll be a bit of a tougher road ma- uh, road matchup or a de facto road game is played in Arlington, Texas. That'll be the toughest of the three games by far. But Ohio State has a lot of talent and a coaching staff with a lot of head coaching experience. So I don't know if it's going to affect Ohio State a ton on the field. 
But I think the bigger part of this and the biggest takeaway is how this, the handling of these allegations and the handling of the suspension is going to affect Urban Meyer's long-term legacy. There, uh, it, it's a it's a bad look for him, of course, that he didn't take these allegations seriously and he just kind of blindly trusted an assistant of his. Uh, Zach Smith, the fired coach with the allegations against him, was the grandson of Earl Bruce, who was a former Ohio State head coach and a mentor of Urban Meyer. So there was a close personal connection for him there. And it seems like he let that get in the way of, of, of better judgment in at least looking into these things or taking the allegations more seriously. And also Urban Meyer, there, there was a, a lot of, it, it seemed like a tone deaf response and there was a lot of, of bad press for Urban Meyer last week in the way he kind of handled things after the suspension was announced even. He had a, he had a press conference that night. Uh, there were things detailed in that report that, that make it seem like maybe a three-game suspension wasn't enough. There was a, a, a bit about, and, and you can read the full report online, uh, and there was a lot of good things written about it in last week, but there was a bit about him wanting to delete text messages on his phone that were more than a year old. And then there was this press conference where he was asked point blank, what message do you have for Courtney Smith? And he essentially sidestepped the question and just said, I feel bad for everyone who's in this situation. Uh, he got a lot of flack for that. And then on uh, Friday night, this is two days later, on Friday evening, Urban Meyer or his PR team, someone on his PR team sent out a tweet, which was just this screenshot of uh, the notes app that wrote out an apology saying that it's you know domestic violence is wrong and he should have apologized to Courtney Smith in the first place on Wednesday when he had the chance but you know that is not the the highest bar of human empathy to send out something in the notes app on Friday night so I think this is going to have have a long-term impact on Urban Meyer's legacy I think it'll be remembered long after the 2018 season and, and will be remembered after he's done coaching his handling of this and I I Hopefully, it sets a bar for all big name for all college coaches, big name or, or unknown, that you have to take allegations of domestic violence and sexual assault seriously. And if you don't, you are going to you know have a suspension or lose your job. And that needs to become the standard in college football. And hopefully, that becomes true. Uh, so Ohio State, though, I, I think is going to be okay on the field. Urban Meyer will be coaching that. September 29th game against Penn State. Who knows what kind of reception he's going to get uh, when he comes back from this suspension? That game might, you know, might determine the Big Ten. Uh, but but this this scandal and, and his handling of these allegations, I think, are going to be a cloud over him for a long time. So I think that's going to be the biggest takeaway from the last month and, and this this scandal around Urban Meyer. So that's where things stand at Ohio State. Coming up after a quick break. We're going to dive into what's going on at Maryland with Ryan Connors from Testudo Times. Stay with Locked On Nittany Lions. The wait is nearly over. Football is almost here, and that means it's fantasy football season again. And FanDuel has never been more fun or easier to play. 
If you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the best place to play. FanDuel has something for everyone, and there are more ways to win than ever before. Don't believe us? How's this sound? This season, FanDuel is running a free $250,000 Survivor Contest. This is the biggest free Survivor Contest ever. Here's how it works. You pick one team to win each week, and you can't reuse that team again for the rest of the season. This locks before week one, so don't miss your chance to sign up now. To get into that free $250,000 FanDuel contest, go to fanduel.com slash locked on today. All right, we're going to finish up today getting an idea of how things are going at Maryland, another program that's been in turmoil and made a lot of headlines recently. Uh, this all dates back to the end of May when freshman offensive lineman Jordan McNair was hospitalized with heat stroke. He ended up dying a few weeks later, and uh, then a couple weeks ago in August, there was a huge ESPN report that outlined uh, the details of his death and implicated head coach DJ Durkin and that coaching staff. Uh, we're now joined by Ryan Connors, who writes for Testudo Times, SB Nation's Maryland website. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it is our pleasure to be on here. Thank you, Ryan. And uh, I gave a little bit of an oversight there, but if you could kind of fill in a, a few more details about this uh, tumultuous, tumultuous summer for Maryland's program. Certainly. Well, uh, yeah, a lot of the you know, national attention has been on Maryland in the past two weeks, sort of after, uh, really after ESPN dropped these two pretty bombshell stories. One, outlining the specific day that Jordan McNair collapsed out of Maryland. At the, it was like their first workout of the summer. And then the second report, which was like a half hour later, which was saying, you know, detailing a more verbally abusive culture within the uh, within the program, within the coaching staff. Uh, and there's there's some more detail I can go into on the second one. Uh, and then not not long after that, that happened on a Friday afternoon. Next day, DJ Durkin put on leave. From which we, he still has not returned. Then uh, the next week, they had a press conference. The strength coach was resigned, bought out, sort of mixed between those two. Mm-hmm. And then at, at a press conference the, the next week, university president and the athletic director were, uh, you know, said, said a bunch of things. Headliners being that they're taking legal and moral responsibility for George McNair's death, um, and then that they're. Investigating the, the investigating the program as a whole, sort of as a response to the larger ESPN report mm-hmm. into the teams. ESPN's term was toxic culture, mm-hmm. uh, which which is then I, I'm hesitant to use that not because I don't believe it's true or disputing it, just because every, now it sort of says everyone says toxic culture without sort of saying like breaking down what that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, um, you know, we can get into that. You know, the question. Uh, then, um, you know, there's been a lot of interviews with players who have mostly come out on the side of supporting DJ Durkin, but uh, there's it's it's complicated, as, as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. And we are we are recording this on Sunday, as the 26th. We're less than a week before Maryland season opener. DJ Durkin is not the acting head coach, but he has still not been permanently fired. So, what's the latest on his job status? So, I think from the moment the ESPN report came out, I was, me, not, not that this was a unique thought that I had. You know, everyone's pretty much like, yeah, this guy, this guy is not coaching for Maryland again. Mm-hmm. And there's, 
not been anything, nothing has happened since for me to think that that is not true. Um, Maryland, currently, Maryland, Maryland has an eight-person panel uh, uh, started by the president, then the university system decided to take it over, and uh, there's, there, I mean, we, we don't get a ton of information on it, it's just that they are investigating the program, and it seems, from my point of view, that you know, it's, it's an investigation that they, they, they say, oh, the things in the European report are very troubling, uh, if they are true, that's very bad, which I basically says, if they're true, then DJ Durkin's not going to be in Maryland anymore. And the, the ESPN report, uh, like, it's, there, there are enough instances in the ESPN report that, like, even the things that players have uh, said, you know, no, DJ Durkin's not like that. Like, the things happening in the ESPN story, which include something uh, with a uh, injured player was forced to play tug of war against the whole uh, defensive back unit mm-hmm. then when he didn't when he lost the coaches screamed at him called him you know inappropriate things um, and there are uh, it's like using food as punishment was what common uh, was a common thing in the story which one instance was a player who was deemed overweight was forced to eat uh, to walk while his teammates worked out he was forced to eat candy bars another uh, you know, food getting slapped out of people's hands generally uh, and coaches four former staff members at Maryland saying I would never let my kids be coached here mm-hmm. uh, this goes above and beyond what I've seen at other places um, so that's those are the things that are being investigated and it has enough specific events in there that seem like no one's going to be able to dispute them mm-hmm. uh, and there's also that's one investigation that's going on the other one is by a had a, it, it's an investigation into the training, into basically what happened with the training staff, especially on that day that Jordan McNair collapsed. Um, so it seems like the, the larger investigation would be the one that would lead to DJ Durkin officially no longer being in Maryland, but mm-hmm. it's possible that the first one comes to that conclusion too. Uh, not, it's, it's uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot going on. I'm not totally sure what's going to happen, but I think, yeah, Durkin probably, probably almost definitely gone. I, it seems like no other coaches are going to follow him, which is complicated because not any large culture like that is not just one person doing it. Right. But uh, I, I imagine it becomes hard to prove who has done what unless players come forward with specific things. I think players coming forward is a complicated thing because if you do come forward, you could be afraid that someone knows that it's you and then you're viewed as a bad teammate or a, you know, someone who betrayed everyone, which is ridiculous but that's that's probably what that's probably where we're at i imagine all right uh ryan connors he covers maryland for the testudo times that's sb nation's maryland site ryan thank you so much for your time appreciate it thanks okay that will do it for this episode of locked on nittany lions thanks again for joining us and don't forget to download rate subscribe and, and listen to the podcast on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts We'll be back later in this first game week of 2018 with a look at Penn State's schedule, a look at key players, some top five countdowns, a little bit of trivia, and more interviews to get you ready for Penn State's opener in the 2018 season. I'll talk to you then.